the Lloyd's List Shipping Podcast. Welcome to the Lloyd's List Podcast. I'm Michelle Vesey Bockman, Markets Editor and Analyst at Lloyd's List. Today I'm talking with John Benetskwich, founder of London-based Freight Investor Services. To those in the freight futures area of shipping, John B, as he's known, needs no introduction. He's been one of the pioneers of forward freight agreements, also known as FFAs, used to hedge the future price of shipping. This is a huge underlying part of global freight, but little is known about it beyond trading desks of banks, funds, miners and energy commodities traders. So John is going to give us an overview of what FFAs are all about and just how important they are into the industry. Welcome to the Lloyd's List podcast, John. Oh, uh, hello. I just thought, Michelle, I'll play a little bit of music to wake everybody up. There you go. Lloyd's List could be now a new radio station. Well, I'll switch it off. So the reason I played that was uh, we were both at the conference in Geneva last week. So I thought by playing that, I would wake everybody up. So, um, or as they say today, woke everybody up. Um, Anyway, so yeah, thanks for that. And uh, yeah, so um, yeah, it's been been a very interesting year for drive bulk freight rates and volumes and volatility. Um, I think what will be interesting to talk about today in the beginning is how it all started. Because a lot of people, you know, don't really know how FFAs began and where it began and how it began. And I actually looked on, you know, as everyone does today, looks at Google Internet. And I I couldn't even find a Bifex Wikipedia. Can you believe it? So I had to sort of do a bit more research. So just to give you the history on the freight market. um, So it all started in 1985, which is a long time ago. And a contract called Bifex was created. So Bifex was uh, an index uh, based on 11 routes, and it mm-hmm. was Cape, Panamax, and Handy. Uh, so it was a combination of all do- sorts of different things. Um, and then um, what happened is, uh, um, you know, people traded that futures. It was moderately successful, but actually companies wanted a tailor-made specific route or vessel size to hedge their freight exposure. So back in the day when I was in Cargill uh, in the late 80s, um, our freight department used to sell freight, uh, physical freight, to our grain department. And then they would include what we call a washout clause. So a washout clause was if we weren't going to ship that or it was going to be shipped out of Argentina, we would then calculate what that route would be on an index. And the route which we most popularly traded was route two, 52,005% Gulf Japan. So basically, uh, it all started when companies like Cargo and Clavinest did these markets and brokers like Clarkson's then did physical contracts with washout clauses, which would then wash out the physical but calculate the index. And then people realized it's really an interesting tool, this. Uh, we should start trading it to hedge our exposure. So that's how it all started. So today, you know, uh, the market has grown uh, substantially from then. So we calculate um, the FFA market is probably close to 6.5 billion tonnes in Mm -hmm. size. So if you compare that with the dry bulk market, it's 3.5. And the volume of FFAs this year are up 68%. Um, And uh, so we're we're, we're at an all-time high. We even surpassed 
surpassed 2008. Um, and as you, everyone remembers 2008 for good and bad reasons. Um, but the, the BDI, which was uh, in 2008, hit a peak of 11,560. That's and the this year, index for, for those. Yeah, that's right. And uh, the highest this year it got to was 5,650. So we were sort of half the 2008 levels. Right. So, so what is an FFA? Okay. So, uh, very simply, it's a, a forward freight agreement. Um, so, the good thing about an FFA, you don't need to physically deliver a ship. You don't need to um, have a cargo. So, it's just like buying stocks and shares. You know. So, if you think the price of freight is going up, you know, you buy an FFA. And if you think it's going down, you sell an FFA. Um, and why it's become really important today uh, is you know, the shipping industry has changed in the last sort of 10, 15 years. So there was a lot of long term physical contracts of a freightment, you know, where a, a Chinese uh, steel mill or Japanese steel mill or coal, man, coal plant would take five or 10 year cargo and they would fix a long term vessel fixed rate. Mm -hmm. Today, those COAs, are, they're not that they're quite rare. So a lot of commodities now are priced index linked, you know, whether it's iron ore or coal. And as a result, there's a lack of forward physical freight for a lot of um, owners and operators. So as a result, a lot of ship owners and charters are using FFAs to manage their freight exposure in this volatile market. So the index, when we talk index linked, that's um, linked to the Baltic exchange. Yeah, that's right. So sorry. Um, so obviously index linked is. It, it, the average 5TC Cape, the average 4 5TC Panamax and the average Supermax. So basically, if you fix a ship, let's say you can fix a ship, let's say you can fix a Cape ship for a year uh, on physical or you can do what we call an index link, which is basically every month the index is calculated and the charter owner will pay each other. And as a result of that, you don't know what the rate is. So actually, it's quite good because you're never going to get told off because you're never going to get it wrong, right? But what people then do is hedge the paper against the physical vessel, right? Uh, at some point in the period it's fixed for. Right. And so if um, I'm a cargo or uh, a miner like BHP, how would I use an FFA to hedge against that physical, that the underlying? Right. Okay. Well, well, there's three things you can do when you're fixing freight. I mean, this is, you know, so you can. Basically, if you sell a cargo into, you know, China or wherever, you can either, you know, go in the market and fix a physical ship uh, if it's spot. You, mm -hmm. If it's a forward sale, you can either fix it forward with an operator or owner, or you can buy forward paper um, where you basically buy the FFA. So, for example, West Australia, China is a big market, 700 million tons. So you would buy you know, a paper rate and somebody would sell that to you. It could be an owner operator or fund. And so essentially you have a hedge then. So if the price of C5 goes up $3, uh, you should get back that in the paper, but end up paying more in the physical market. Gotcha. Gotcha. Got it. And so who are, what does the market comprise? When we uh, talked in Geneva last week, I was surprised to learn that that banks and funds, hedge funds, comprise 35% of the market. So, so how does it all break down? Yeah. So basically, um, 
the makeup of players have actually changed uh, quite a bit. So when we talked about history, you know, in the early 90s, it was mainly the grain companies which were dominating the FFA market. So today, um, the whole landscape has changed. So we have, what we say, we have uh, three or four different categories of players. So, um, so basically, you've got the physical players, the ship owners and the operators who I've just mentioned need the paper to hedge because mm -hmm. the market's really volatile. The other interesting thing is, you know, freight has been uh, probably in commodities which FIS brokes, um, apart from coking cores, had the biggest rise this year. So it's been a bit of a, a wake up call for people who didn't hedge, you know, because they've been a bit burnt um, with the raising rate, rate rise. So there's the physical people who trade and it's interesting. And then you've got the traders. So you've got people who do index link to fix paper. But what I've seen in the last sort of five, 10 years, a lot of trading companies are using freight as a trading tool. You know, so before, say, in the old days at Cargill, we would sell, you know, the, the grain trader would take the position on the freight. But actually now it's more the freight departments are taking bigger positions themselves, in, you know, on their own. So you know, freight is a tool to make money, you know, and trade and and and, and speculate and try and improve a PL. And the third um, new player, really, as you said, is the hedge funds and the funds. So today, there's probably five what we call specific shipping funds, uh, which have come into the freight market uh, just basically to make money. Um, interestingly, those freight funds. They don't have ships or cargoes, uh, but they use a lot of in information, technical analysis. So you've got three types of people who trade. You've got the systematic and algorithm, which are basically black boxes, which look at historical rates. And then they will pick, you know, when the market is there. It's a machine which basically says buy, sell. Uh, and then you've got um, discretionary accounts. And then you've got also this thing called um, theme uh, trading, which is more fundamental, you know. so. I don't, I don't use a machine, but I, I think the market's going up because of X, Y, Z. Uh, and you're getting, you know, because freight is becoming, it is a sort of catalyst for a lot of things. You know, we're getting outside interest, um, you know, from funds who, let's look at, you know, equities and fixed income this year. If you, you know, you've made four or 5% if you're lucky, whereas these freight funds, some of them have made over 100%. So if you're an investor, you want to have a piece of that, right? Of course. Now, as a, as a broker of um, FFAs, you have a, a unique position to see who has taken out positions and who's been right and who's been wrong. So how have the algorithmic traders done? Who, who's been right most of the time? Because it has been a volatile year. Yeah. Well, obviously, we uh, nice to say what we're the largest one. I mean, we don't look at P&Ls uh, of the actual customers, but mm. you can tell in Geneva last week, everyone was having a nice drink, you know, because they've all seemed to have done quite well. So I don't exactly know the actual figures, but from what I hear, I think those five or six funds and the ETF, which is in the US, they've all done exceptionally well this year because you only need to pick the mark, you know, pick one or two big moves in this market up or down and you've probably made your own P&L. So um, I don't know the exact figures, but everyone seems to be quite happy with this year. Of course. Now, back in 2008, um, the, the FFA sector had it, its halcyon days, but the trading has changed because a lot of that was done over the counter and yes. now it's done cleared. And I think it's fair to say hundreds of millions of dollars were lost in 2008 when the market 
fell off the cliff post Lehman Brothers. H- how has it changed from then? Yeah, so absolutely. I mean, we were one of the big advocates of the clear system. And, you know, in 2008, we had the peak of capes at 220,000 in May, and then we had the rates crash to 2000 in December. So whenever you give a speech, I don't think, I, I don't know any commodity we do, which has had that dramatic drop. And obviously, as you said, there was a lot of OTC exposure. We had a lot of Far Eastern players, Italians, and it was just so easy because, you know, um, you didn't need to put a margin up or uh, like the clear. So obviously there was a whole mess then. And a, a lot of them, you know, Michelle, were probably using it, you know, too much and over hedging. Um, and obviously when it crashed after the Olympics and the Lehmans and et cetera, you know, we was one of the companies which tried to save everyone. We weren't just somebody ringing around trying to collect commissions. We we did this netting and we saved a lot of companies from going bust. So if somebody owed somebody $50 million and was owed by somebody else, 48, we'd net that out to two. Um, so the whole industry kind of looked at this and said, we're never going to really go back to OTC. And, um, and that was driven also by the big, chartering companies uh, that uh, they didn't really want to do OTC, even though today, you know, many of the physical trades have done OTC. And as you know, last mm. week at the conference, people brought that up. Is there a role for the OTC to come back? So I don't see a problem with, you know, an RWE or a Cargill or a BHP fixing directly with each other without an exchange because they are multi-billion dollar businesses. But it seems the market doesn't want that to go that way. And what what about ship owners? Because they have traditionally been a little, not dismissive, but perhaps uncertain about FFAs. What what type of ship owners are, are, are involved in yeah. FFAs? Yeah, days? so good question. Um, so obviously there's a number of ship owners actually uh, trading. So probably the largest ship owner is Oldendorf. So, uh, you know, it has over 800 vessels. Uh, we've also got companies like Norden, Claverness, um, Swiss Marine. So they feel that they're using these tools as an important part. So obviously the Greek community um, is now starting to trade more on FFAs and that maybe has been helped with one Greek fund, which has done exceptionally well, which is interesting. And there's a younger generation coming in. And, and um, you know, so the owners are now realizing that it's, it's not just a speculative tool, it's a useful tool and a hedging tool. And actually, you talk to these ship owners, they're probably the biggest speculators in the market because running a, an asset $30 million spot, to me, is is also very dangerous, right? Sure. <laughs> Without doing anything and just running it spot. But, um, yeah. And what, what about the geographic spread of, of trading? Is it something that started in Europe and has spread to Asia, or is it being yeah. So it's an interesting uh, question, uh, Michelle. Uh, so obviously the bulk of the business is done in Europe. It's still very much a sort of European market, I guess, when, when the index has come out as well. Uh, we are starting to get more interest, as I said, from new players and hedge funds in the US and in Europe. Asia, to be honest, uh, whilst it's the biggest market physically, it's been a little disappointing. Um, so I just looked at our numbers. I think about three or four percent of FAs are Chinese. So when you consider China is 40, 50 percent of world imports and exports, it's still a small part of it. Uh, so we hope and we've always been saying this and playing a record. We you know Asia, we've got to increase liquidity there. So 
you know, it's we, we still haven't cracked it yet, Michelle, in Asia. Right. So this year has been a fantastic year for FFAs and for volume trading, lots of volatility. How are you going to build on the success of, of next year? Yeah, so obviously, um, yeah, so we, you know, LFIS, uh, you know, we, we, uh, we're sort of an underdog a bit, but, um, you know, we, we're trying to build the market. We invest a lot in business development. We're trying to get new players in the market. We're trying to sell the story about FFAs and if you didn't hedge, why didn't hedge? And this is the opportunity. So obviously to kind of do a 65, 68% increase, I don't know whether we'll get those numbers, but I am positive generally, particularly if we're getting new players in the market who've got lots of money to trade, particularly the funds. Um, you know, to, to grow. And I think the owners, even if you do not trade, you know, there's stories of people buying and selling ships. And because Supermax paper went down 20% in a week, they dropped their subjects on buying the ship. So it's something people can't really ignore, even if you don't use it, because everyone who's on the other side of the table is using it or at least looking at the prices. So we have a really good app, um, which uh, has all these live prices, iron ore, fuel, grain uh you know fruits and everything so people can monitor that if they want to log in and have a look at that fis live app it's free as well michelle <laughs> there's not much that's free in shipping no that's true <laughs> well well on that note i'm going to go off down download the app and um and leave it there thank you very much john for for joining lloyd's list podcast today and sort of shedding some light and and some understanding on what is a very very interesting part of the maritime industry so thank you john okay thank you thank you